Welcome to Downhill Discussions with your host, Adam Ward. Hello, thank you, and welcome to another episode of Downhill Discussions. I'm incredibly excited today. Uh, I have with me a guest who is going to provide some reaction and some insight and some feeling into experiencing and moving in from houselessness into transitional living. In this podcast, as we talk about every time, it aims to sort of examine the issues from all the different angles, all the different aspects involved. Uh, and so today, uh, the guest I'm incredibly excited for you listeners to hear is someone who has had a lot of life experience, who can who can provide some unique insights. And we happen to be, and I'm, I'm so excited and so grateful that he's here and willing to have this conversation with us today when, when, when the emotions are still raw and you can really get a feel for, for what an individual goes through and the, um, the mental, the physical, and even the spiritual elements of, of transitioning from one to another and, and, and just living and existing. Uh, so without further ado, I'm, let's, let's get into the conversation. Ben, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Um, I again, I just, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we can, we can go into some of this stuff and really sort of dive into uh, what, what it means to, to transition into transitional housing. So, for just a tiny bit of backstory for our listeners, this is you're, you're entering your first day. You just got out of quarantine and you're entering into transitional housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess my first question for you is. Uh, how are you feeling? You know, what what are your thoughts? Um, feeling hopeful for <laughs> for uh, everything that's ahead. Being on the right track is uh, is key to all this, I guess. Um, it's it's a little daunting mentally because you have to, you know, me personally, I got to take a lot of things serious. I'm gonna have to talk about and deal with a lot of things that uh, aren't comfortable. So, sure. treatment, um, yeah, a lot of insight into family history, all that good stuff. But um, I'm hopeful this time through. I can get things figured out and prevent this from happening again nice do you do you get nervous moving in with a, a bunch of other like a group of other men or you've mm, not as much as most i guess because i mean i got a, a lengthy juvenile history group living um at a young age so um living around a bunch of people is not too incredibly difficult it's also at my current age 43 years old it's not something that i try to aspire for for long periods of time so oh sure sure yeah and that's it. Um, I don't even think I was going to ask it, but as as you kind of mentioned it, um, does that? I don't want to use that. I guess you could put a word there. Is there some sort of a embarrassment or, or nervousness about having people know, or is it? Um, I personally don't have any embarrassment for any of my life situations. I mean, I've I've lived a pretty um, pretty full, expansive life. Um, being a father of four, um, having multiple successful careers in different job fields, um, you know, and then all of a sudden becoming a full-blown drug addict at 39 years old. So, I mean, as far as humiliation goes, um, been through the ringer. I'm not a proud person per se anymore. Um, my ego's been knocked down to where it should have been the whole time, I guess, um, to put that properly, I guess, yeah. I don't have an ego much anymore. But I used to. I mean, I lived my entire life with a giant one. Well, that, I mean, it sounds like well, I'm, I'm quite. I would say just being able to know that or have that kind of self awareness. I definitely want to dive back more into that ego or um, yeah. getting that beaten down from you here in a little bit. Uh, so, I, uh, my last sort of part, uh, as we just kind of get going into sort of that introduction, is um, what 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 got you here? What 
why are you in need of transitional housing like at this time? Um, well, what got me here initially was um, drug use, you know, mm-hmm. becoming a full-blown drug addict. Say, I'd have to take it back further than that. Um, I got divorced, became a single father, and spent 10 years raising four kids on my own. And uh, when they left the house, I got like an empty nest syndrome thing, and I just I didn't have anything there to, to, to I guess, in my mind to... Um, do things right anymore so I got into drugs and I was lonely and relationships sucked for me so um yeah that's that's basically what brought me to the point to begin with and then oh my first time homeless was about a year and a half two years ago I full-blown basically moved into a trap house and just decided to get high every day rather than function anymore and uh it was pretty shitty you know after Owning a home, owning multiple mobile homes, I've owned more vehicles than anybody collectively that I know together has ever owned. Um, uh, I don't know, I just, I, I never had a problem being success in life until I was about 39 years old and my kids all left. That's pretty right. Yeah. Which, I mean, they grew up. I mean, I raised them, that's what they're supposed to do, but right. I wasn't ready. That's... That's tough. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and that's you know, when kids leave and, you know, you're left and that's tough. Get out of this. It's way fucking hot in here. Um, I think one of the, the things is you, is you began to initially touch on it and talk about it that I, I guess, and I, I, we would like to call it or one of the segments I've been trying to uh, change the name of it is uh, like it's called your background or sort of as I call it, that that street PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of, you know, you hear podcasts or even you know, any kind of educational, it's always the, you know, I have a PhD or a master's degree in whatever, and so I can talk and, you know, discuss drug addiction with individuals, or I can mm-hmm. talk about homelessness because I have this PhD. Yeah. And so my idea was, you, you as well have a PhD, you just didn't get it in yeah. the classroom. You had your, so I'm calling, you know, the street PhD. So mm-hmm. essentially, how did you earn your street PhD lifetime in the streets mm-hmm. and that's uh, either you live it or you don't and you live it on one degree or another you live it on one level or another either you're a dealer or a user or you know muscle for somebody or you know there's a lot of different roles you play on the streets a lot of different lessons to learn right you know so I mean I, I've always I come from a family that I guess the best way to put it is uh, outlaw gardeners okay yeah, right from here 40 years deep um, big part of my life, portion of my life, I don't really talk about because, like I said, it was outlaw gardening. So, but that's where my street degree begins. I guess I don't know what outlaw gardening means. Producing pot, marijuana in uh, this state long before it was legal. Long before it was legal. That makes I really thought it was like yeah. about forty years deep. Actual gardening. Sorry. Like forty years ago, it was there was right. heavy penalties. That's it. You know, the whole thing was different. Back when they put conexes twenty foot deep. Yeah, I know about those. <laughs> Can't get caught. Yeah, you can. <laughs> the heat registering helicopters always uh, could find yeah. you. Yeah. Where the snow would just melt in right. the perfect yeah, no square. <laughs> you got to build a house over that shit. <laughs> and, and, and when the roof collapses. Yeah, they, the they do They do implode around. because they weren't designed to take pressure from the side. Right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So you just... The, the <laughs> and these are all real things. <laughs> right. No, I, I understand. <coughs> and not to, you know, off mm-hmm. track, but now we have people you know, who are still in jail from, you know... Yeah. Well, I mean, the laws were different back then. You played by the rules or you didn't. 
So it's uh, fair to say you've been sort of earning that that, that PhD for most of your life. Even. Yeah, I was more or less born into that kind of life. It sure. seems to be at least the last the, the the themes of a few different the guys who came on and talked. It seems that um, childhood or you know experiences from even. I mean, I know that early on you mentioned that thirty nine was sort of that that start for you, but even now it sounds like maybe you know it. It begins early, like almost people... Well, yeah, I mean, the street life begins at a young age, but the, I mean, the drug addiction, the loss of control, the having my life spiral out of control, me not being, you know, at the helm anymore, more or less like I became a, a passenger in my own car. You know, how the hell did I get over here? Right. That happened at 39. So you mind talking a bit more about that? Um, what was your first experience with, with drug use? And then sort of from there... Your thoughts about it, feelings, like... Well, gosh, I started smoking pot. I think when I was six years old, I picked up a roach and an ashtray at home. Man, I like this shit. Right. <laughs> it was basically, I mean, marijuana is um, not viewed as, a, I guess, a bad drug anymore. But, you know, I, I stopped using marijuana because of my, my, um, my professional driving career and just uh, the stress that's involved with beating piss tests. Mm-hmm. It can randomly occur due to freak accidents and whatnot on the job. So um, I reached a point in time in my career, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, where I just stopped smoking pot. It just wasn't worth it anymore. It was too stressful to, you know, have everything lined up. I mean, I've never failed a piss test professionally. Oh, ever, wow. ever. Okay. But I study. Okay. On um, study how to how to beat them. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. You study for the test. Did you learn any good tricks? Yeah, I never failed a piss test. All right, all right, nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, any test in life that you're allowed time to study, you should you should pass the flying colors. Well, here and, you go. And that's really how I look at that. I mean, I'm a fairly smart person. Um, not trying to toot my own horn, but I have a high IQ and ability to do just damn near anything I want to do. I'm also an ADD kid, so get bored easy mm-hmm. i'm stubborn to beat all hell so if i don't want to do something i'm not gonna do it period that's why i'm i've been a convicted felon my entire life simply because i wouldn't stop smoking pot at 19 years old that was stupid i pawned i pawned a stolen film. yeah pawned a stolen television when i was 18 years old been a convicted felon my entire life because of it simply because i was too dumb to stop smoking pot in honor of the sis that would have made me not a felon my whole life Genius, stubborn streak. What do you mean by, uh, I guess, for... An SIS is a suspended indisposition of sentencing, which allows you to be forgiven for a felony mistake at such a young age. Okay. You know, but as it stands, the state of Alaska never forgives a felony. There's no appeal or anything. I mean, I'm a felon my whole life because of that, you know. But if I hadn't been so stubborn, I would have stopped smoking pot. I wouldn't be a felon. It's a great you know, way to look at it. legitimately, all I did was pawn a stolen TV that I didn't steal. Okay. That yeah. was my next question. Did yeah. you steal the no, TV? No, I didn't actually steal the TV. Did you know it was stolen? Yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it's... At 18 years old, I figured, you know, how much trouble could I really get into? Right. I found out. A lot. Yeah. Okay. So continuing down that road, um, do you mind sort of talking about what was your first experience with homelessness? Um, what happened... First experience with homelessness, like I said, I was about a year and a half, two years ago, so I'm 43. I mean, the downfall of my life started about 39. I guess it took a year and a half, two years for me to lose everything. Um, a relationship to fail, me to get depressed, move into a trap house, and decide to just get high every day. And yeah, that's all I 
That's all I thought about was, yeah, I'm going to wake up. And if you live in a trap house, you're going to get high every day. That's where the drugs are. And I know that I think we know. Do you mind describing what a trap house is? For uh, It's a place where people kind of reside, where there's no running water, no electricity, no amenities. It's cold as fuck in the wintertime. It's hot as shit in the summer. I mean, but that's where people are getting high mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, around the clock. Is it safe to get high, or is it safe? No, it's not. There's nothing safe about a trap house. Right. <laughs> nothing, and it's not clean. It's not. I mean, there's nothing good. It's exactly what you would think when you think trap. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking trap. Oh, that's a good way to put it. So you're almost like you're trapped there. Yeah. Because I guess you know what I mean, and that's what we. It's the the it's the grips of um, addiction, man, and that's. You know, anybody that's ever spent any time in a trap house as an addict, not a dealer, mm-hmm. um, really understands what it is to be trapped. You know, dealers look at it as money. That's, you know, that's where they're going off of the product. That's where the right. people that are buying it are. So they don't have to look for you. You don't have to look for them. Position yourself in the right place. You can get high every day. As a dealer, position yourself in the right place. You can offload your product every day. You know, so it's a, it's a trap for all parties i suppose but the dealers get to step out right and they get to almost the addicts you know remain on you yeah well it's not so much prey because i mean like i said i put myself there okay so it's not it's not like i uh fell victim to anything and i I wouldn't even say that anybody that spends time in a trap house is a victim uh, you know but of their own addictions you know it's really it's everything in life's a choice all right it's a good i like i like that and like I said early on, it's really examining that issue for both sides. I think you did a great job because that was going to be my first question. You know, when that person's you know driving in the car and things like, well, you chose to be there. Yeah. Um, but you did say, and I kind of want to come back to it. Is a uh, you mentioned that you know you were depressed that you know that your kids left you had that empty nest or all the and there yeah. probably maybe was other elements or factors involved. But well, it's, yeah, being an only child, living my life alone, um, raising four kids, and then you know having them all move away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lonely, lonely, depression, um, not having good relationship skills to start a relationship with a woman, you know. Uh, yeah, it all led to, you know, drug use at a higher level than I'd ever have. Um, making a strong decision at 39 years old to not avidly deal drugs ever again in my life also played a large part in it, being broke because of that. Um, but still, to this day, not. Everything I've been through, I haven't picked up any amount of drugs and sold enough to maintain my own habit, and I will never do anything like that again, simply because I had a lifetime of that and um, decided I need to make a change. You know, and that's that's been one of the roughest things about this whole experience is that, you know, I spend most of my life as a avid dealer, and to be on the... Uh, addict end of it is uh, traumatic to say the least yeah I would imagine yeah um, and I guess before we go too much I was sort of curious would you what was there a, a specific instance or story or what that, that sort of led you to stopping selling drugs or did you see um, before my kids left the house I think I after a night of partying and having fun I, I was hanging out with some friends and uh, I was just depressed felt empty you know Spent nine years single, raising my kids, specifically to raise them. Um, and uh, this chick asked me, would you date yourself? <laughs> and I had, you know, 
drunk, high, whatever, and thinking about it, thinking about it for a long time, I'm like, fuck no, I wouldn't date myself. Jesus Christ, look at this piece of fucking work. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. And uh, that led to me making a bunch of changes in my life. That's That was the beginning of um, the road. I mean, that was the beginning of the downfall. That was the beginning of the homelessness. It was the beginning of the addiction. It was, I mean, it was the beginning of all things bad, but all things good, too. Okay. You know, it all started there. And uh, that was when I made a bunch of big life decisions to look at myself and say, yeah, I would date this guy because he's not that bad. You know? This current version. This current, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't want to say new version because you remain yourself through all aspects of life, but um, de- definitely, a, a, you know, put my f- best foot forward, try to be the best that I can be through all the things, you know, that, that, that emphasis came on at about 39, you know, and it's it's been a hell of a work in progress, man, because I've been through the fucking ringer because of these decisions, you know, and I, I've never lived a harder version of my life since I made that call. Life was pretty easy when I was dealing drugs part-time, working all the time, you know, living a high life, mm-hmm. but I was empty inside, so it wasn't, sure. it wasn't really working, but life was easy. Right. It's it's funny how it can be like that, you know. It shouldn't be, but, yeah, that's exactly what it it got me. Nothing I really wanted, but outside looking in, man, I was the envy of all my friends, for sure. So money's not the key to all happiness? Oh, no. The the, the things that really make you happy in life can't be bought. Man, that is some profound stuff here. Um. So I guess for some of our listeners who, who maybe don't know, uh, what when you talk about those, those those difficulties and those struggles, and that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to highlight here for people to understand is that the work that you have put in, and I think, um, and you're doing, and it's incredible, uh, you know, even what you're being able to speak and speak on, but you've talked about, you know, 39 and those decisions. Um, and the, so those people who, who, who sort of say, well, this is your own, you know, self-inflicted gunshot wound. Which, and I think you've been pretty open about, like, oh, yeah. you know, it's yours. Yeah, um, you got to own it. If, right. you, if you don't own it, you, you're not really starting But anywhere. once you start owning it, once you, you know, like you said, you looked at yourself in the mirror and you, and, and you made some, some of those hard decisions, what, well, what was, like, what, what are the difficulties? What, what, what does a difficult day or even a regular day look like for, you know, when you said the hardest I mean, time of your life? Um, self-defeating... I don't know. I, I've had some really low lows, man. Mm-hmm. It brought me to some places I never thought I would be in life for sure. Like self-defeating talk? Um, uh, yeah, self-defeating thoughts. I mean, okay. just not so much talk because I've always been pretty much a private person. I mean, I, I, I keep it all in and deal with it as best I can. Um, never, I'm very distrusting of people because I've seen people at their worst mm-hmm. make the worst decisions when they had all the reason to make a better one. And then I've seen people with all the reason to make the worst decision make the best decision. So, I mean, there's a but there's very few of that and very much more of the other. So, um, I don't know. I ended up homeless, living in an abandoned car in Wasilla after my first stay through treatment in Knick House this last summer. Through choice. Oh, okay. I mean, through choice, I, I put myself there. And too proud to tell anybody about it. Too proud to 
to go anywhere. We're still just clinging on to sobriety, barely. Everybody using drugs around me. Um, you were able to say, so yeah, stayed sober a long time. Holy cow, long time. Um, and even when I did use, never used like I did when I was in that trap house when I had no control. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically just used out of hunger because you know you do a little bit of meth and you're not hungry for two or three days. So right, kind of helped out. Um, I'm a man that likes to eat. <laughs> right. So, uh, that being said, uh, I picked myself up from that. You know, I, I got out of that car, and got into a little space where I got a, a freaking wood stove and got warm and um, got a job again. Got completely out of the hood. You know, the hood in Wasilla's fucking place. So. Yeah, Willowall. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the hood. So, I mean, very few people get out of there. Actually, you know, a lot of people have um, commended me on my little road to getting out of there and staying out of there because I refuse to go back. I don't give a shit where I'm at. I'm not going back there. You know, my first experience with Willowall was back in 1994, selling crack at 14 years old. You know, I got a lot of history in the valley. This mm-hmm. is my home. I can tell you things about this place that people just don't know. I mean, I watched them pull Tealens off the corner when I was six, and I was sitting on my bicycle watching it. Um, my granddad helped develop most of this place. You know, he, he owned and operated and built the Motherlode Lodge when it was when it was what it was back in the 80s. Um, yeah, I got a lot of history here. Uh, yeah, but to be homeless, to go through that, I mean, it, a, a hard day is, you know, everything goes wrong, and you got all these options to do everything wrong also, and very few paths lead to anything good, but still to pick one of those narrow paths that doesn't involve getting high, that doesn't involve, you know, fucking somebody over, or robbing someone, or, you know, stealing, or... You know, any of the things that you can be a part of in the street life, um, those are the decisions that I got, I mean, I've gotten a lot better at making. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that, that narrow path that nobody else is on. So hard to find. But it sounds even, yeah, I, I can't, that's what I was thinking. I, I can't imagine how difficult when you even, like you just talked earlier about, um, you know, using a little bit of meth to, you know, make mm-hmm. that not be hungry, which means buying food was a struggle. Like, I, I, I oh, can't yeah, afford you, it. You get to, you know, when you have no money, you get to mm-hmm. knowing food bank schedules, but then lining up rides to get there, um, the ability to get it back to wherever you're staying, um, the ability to prep and cook or have any of that food last more than a day. You know, it's, yeah, where it's, do you store it? Yeah, you, you don't. <laughs> Little stashes. I mean, it's, you get pretty creative with on the streets for damn sure. Some of the most creative, intuitive. God, man, I've seen some inventive shit on the street. Right. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing how how inventive these people get. And so you just look at it and you go, "Wow, man, this this could be commercialized." <laughs> So somebody can make a lot of money off this idea, but it'll never come out because it's a bunch of drug addicts and and whatnot. It's almost a bit more like a um, that that old nomer. And I know that you know the you know you, you pick the person. And we all have met that person who says you know, like everybody who's homeless is homeless because they're lazy or they you know don't have. And it sounds like there's just so much more involved. Like there's I was a hundred percent homeless by choice. I mean, I, I I basically chose to be homeless this last time around simply because I wanted to get to know a girl. 
as lame as that sounds. Wait, what? Yeah, as lame <laughs> as that sounds. And that's that's something I don't want to go too far into because, okay. I mean, that's that's really what my issues are now is relationships and whatnot. And the fact that that took me there and I was willing to do that, you know, bothers me. And that's kind of what um, my whole treatment focus on this time around is to work on relationships and, and some healthy ones versus mm-hmm. the negative ones that I've always had, you right. know. Um, something in me is broken for sure and I don't know that it can be repaired but I can definitely I can do it better you know I don't know what the path is to get there but I'm definitely going to figure it out that's awesome that's that's I mean that's what you can do you know yeah. identify I you know I I definitely personally would believe that you know anything that you're willing to work on like you said you know pass the test yeah um you know, this is just that next test and it's going to take more time and more effort. But yeah. like you said, you know, whatever we watch, you talk about, you know, as, as a child and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what you've seen. So we yeah. do what we've seen. Yeah. It's tough. Um, man, I can't, you know, just imagining, you know, just living and trying try to exist day to day and just the, you know, like you said, get over to one place or another, or even, you know, on our terrible, you know, transportation system and trying to, you know, walk over to this. Oh, with area. COVID, there's no transportation system. I mean, oh, yeah. in the big cities, it, I mean, for a while there when I was in a trap house, I mean, when I decided to get out of Anchorage and to switch my addiction, you know, basically to get myself out of there, I couldn't leave. There was no cab. There was no, there was no way I walked out of Anchorage. Oh, wow. Walked. How far did you walk? I walked all the way to Eagle River. That took one day. I bought a tent, spent a couple of days in a tent, and put a sign out at the Eagle River exit to try to get because there was no way in hell I was going to walk from Eagle River to Wasilla. That's right. a little bit. No, <laughs> that would have yeah. been like a three day venture camping out on the side of the highway, and I just didn't want to do it. So it took two days to get a ride. And then I spent like a month out in the woods, man. It takes just, two whole days? At least for me to walk that far, I'm not a I'm, I'm a stroller. I don't, so walk, I mean like I don't a, walk fast. But are you looking the, for the a mileage? Ride. So yeah, I was I sat there with a sign saying right. twenty bucks cash. I mean, right, right. I had seventeen hundred dollars in my pocket when I decided to quit doing drugs and get myself out of all that. Holy cow! I mean, yeah, I mean it's a, I'm I'm a unique case in the sense that my drug use and addictions aren't normal. I guess, but there's not a whole lot of normal about my life. But my desire to get this shit on track and get my life back and get back to the things that I love and enjoy is huge and I just haven't been able to figure out how to do it yeah I you know just starting with that to leave I know I've I've, I've, I've told uh, listeners some of the episodes but I I too I come from my own you know drug drug addiction past and mm-hmm. you know asking God to keep me from overdosing in a hotel room um, but when I left and I finally got you know clean or whatever you want to call it um I didn't have a dollar. Like, I didn't have anything. And so yeah. to, to be able to have the willpower, like, I can already say, like, that that's incredible. It's the dealer in me. Mm-hmm. Years and I'm, I haven't been an addict very long. Okay. I've been a successful, avid dealer and come from a family of dealers my entire life. So I have it completely different. I've seen it from both sides of the fence. There's people in my life that are very unhappy with my choice to be an addict. I could give a fuck less what they think. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, I needed to go here. For some reason, this happened to me, not you. And I really don't care what you think about it. I'm going through it, not you. Right. Be unhappy as you may, you know, whatever. You sure as fuck aren't offering any help, so. Right, it's your journey. What's your opinion? If, you know, if you're not a part of the solution, you're definitely a part of the fucking problem. Right. That's the way I look at all that. That's know? a good way. I know, I just, you know, even with my own family, there's some stuff, you know, how different... 
um, you know, the way family comes, or it's it's almost this extreme fear as well. Like now I'm watching this person I loved yeah. go through addiction, and my I you know I want to help. But, you know, my family help? shunned. I mean, there was no help. I got put on blast from an ex girlfriend. It just made me an overnight meth addict. You know, I'm slamming dope, and yeah, I was fucking mm-hmm. slamming dope. Right. It was none of their fucking business. Right. It's like the rest of the shit I'd done my whole life. You know, my whole family was set up around that privacy, and for for them to take into account a disgruntled girlfriend of mine fucking put me on blaster shit just made me feel alienated. Mm-hmm. You know, we've stood for this our whole lives, and now here you are fucking backing a stranger. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do figure this out, it won't be because of any of you. It'll be because of me. And however the fuck I do that is none of your goddamn business. Period. That's a really good way to put it. I mean, that's, it's tough, and especially, like, I know what what saved me, and I still talk about, was when my daddy drove me home, and without going too much, you know, I was leaving, and, you know, they were throwing me out, and mm-hmm. drove me to the dealer's house, and instead of going in the house, I got back in the car with my dad, mm-hmm. and he ran, you know, he's one of those perfect uh, red light, you know, drivers, and he ran every red light possible, because he knew if the car stopped, I was going to jump out, uh-huh. and uh, nice, nice. got me to the top of Hatcher Pass, and I'm in my pajama pants, so he knew I can't leave, like, you're going to freeze to death out here, yeah. so you're stuck here again, like, he had yeah. me, but when I went home... I remember, and he said, and he looked, and my mom came out, and she looked at me, and he said, you know, like, you you, you better go ask her for forgiveness, because she's the only one in this world who still loves you, or however he said that, you know, Um, and that made a factor, and so, but you, you talk about, you know, getting put on blast by your family, or even if drug addiction was something you were struggling with, like, I can't really even begin to comprehend what it must feel like as, as an individual who's struggling with what you were. Dealing with, like you said, some some depression stuff, some other things. How depression set in heavy after that, because then everybody I knew, everybody I counted on, everybody I trusted, everybody I confided in, and not much confiding, because like I said, I don't trust people. I don't even trust my family. Right. Um, I had nobody. Right. You know, and that, that's what kicked the depression off. You know, so, yeah. I've dealt with that fairly healthy. I mean, it, it dude... Hats off to Set Free and everything that they taught me in my treatment last summer um, has brought me to where I'm at now with my coping skills as they are, which are not what they should be, or I wouldn't be here again. Um, it's what helped me go through that little homeless stint this last summer. It's what helped me pick myself up from that, get back to work. Um, and then to come down with a cold, um, fall back into an unhealthy relationship, and realize that, man, I can't just repeat this again, take myself out of that, ask for help, and get into uh, quarantine and be here today is more of what Set Free taught me. I mean, more of the coping skills that I have now, me pulling those tools out of that tool belt and using them, um, knowing that I need more, you know, which is really what brings it full circle to today is, you know, is that... I have a baby set of tools, and I need mm-hmm. to expand on that tool set. Nice. That's what I heard. That's you know, even when we talk about dumb, you know, street PhD versus a real one. And I've heard in an actual classroom, uh, you know, it's just more at, adding more tools to your toolbox. Yeah. And it's the same. So it really, it, it all. And man, if somebody put in front of a non-mechanic, you know, a snap-on tool set worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you looked at all them shiny little things in front of you, but you weren't a mechanic. Right. You're not going to know how to use those tools. 
That's a really good. You have to have an education of what those tools are used for and what situations, how to use them effectively. You know, because even knowing briefly how to use a tool, but not actually having any experience using it, you're going to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the right tool, you're using it on the right job, but you're not using it the way you should be, so yeah. you're still going to fuck shit up. Right. Which is, you know, that's, that's that life experience that, you know, just talk about a street PhD and the time it takes to get one. I mean, and you can relate that to a real PhD. I mean, it, it's, it takes time to acquire the skills set not only to know that you need this tool in this application, but how to use this tool in this application so that outcome is what it should be. You know, that that's that's the real deal. I mean, I got a tool set and I've applied the tools in situations and I've fucked some shit up. Mm-hmm. But having the knowledge of what tool to use, the situation I needed in, and fucking it up a little bit was a lot better than not knowing that I needed this tool at all. Right. So, I mean, at least I got that going for me. And, and, I'm, and I'm back to pick up some more tools. There you go. Nice. Because I need them. That's big. I think, you know, and you and you, you seem to have a very um, humble sort of approach or view. Yeah, my ego is non-existent anymore. Right. And, man, prior to 39 years old, I was right about everything. I never got Good. a goddamn thing wrong. Your whole life. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I knew I wasn't perfect, but I wasn't letting anyone else know that. Right. Um, yeah, my I have. I'm very, very humble. Because mm-hmm. man, everything I thought was right got fucking taken from me. Everything I knew was turned upside down. Everything I ever expected, everything, yeah, none of it. I mean, none of it holds any value to me anymore. I could give a fuck less what anyone thinks about me. You want to pass judgment? Go ahead. Right. I, I don't care. I don't even judge myself. Well, you go. I mean, I don't judge others. You know, it's it's, it's just uh, yeah, it's a waste of my time. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't need to be right anymore. So much so that I can catch someone in a flat-out lie, have all the proof in the world, and just don't care to tell you. It's not worth my time anymore. And it used to be everything to me to be right to to have that proof to. You know, it's it's weird. It's uh, it's definitely a side of me that I don't even know if I'm comfortable with it yet. Honestly, it's it's a different way to live. That, it, but it's a peaceful way to live because I just don't get angry like I used to. Mm-hmm. Man, did I live an angry life? I'm just not mad anymore. Right. The humbling experience, though. God damn, it almost buried me. Did you have a one one in particular instance that really? No, not so much. Just a, a culmination. I mean, it it all apexed at deciding to reside in a trap house. Okay. With nothing right. on my mind, nothing on my day to day horizon, nothing at all. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to drink. I didn't. Nothing mattered, but to get high. Mm-hmm. And doing meth, I'm not fucking escaping from anything. If anything, I'm prolonging. Everything every day because you don't go to fucking sleep. Right. It never ends. Right. And after a couple of days, God, it turns into a horrific fucking nightmare. And boy, why would I want to prolong that? But I did. I think that you talk about that. I let's let's just expand on that for a second because I, I don't think we've talked about this enough. And what about oftentimes, especially people who haven't used drugs at all, mm-hmm. they they think that you know people use drugs just for an escape. And I've been to argue with you know, sometimes well, people get high or something. It depends mm-hmm. on the drug addict and the use. Generally, most addicts are looking for an escape from a traumatic incident in their life that they just cannot face. Mm-hmm. 
They don't have the coping skills. They just cannot handle what they've been through. Right. So, yeah, and the drugs provide and offer this this time of numbness, this time of, you know, I don't have to deal with this. I've never been that drug addict, man. I wasn't running from something like that. It's, I always used drugs to complement a fun time, you know. Mm. And then it got to where I was having a shitty time, and I was still using the drugs, and it just complemented a shitty fucking time. Mm. And so much of that went by to where I was just like, fuck, man, what am I really doing here? Mm. I'm having a horrible fucking time. I'm on these drugs that just extend it. Like meth to a great degree can mean you're up for fucking days. So I mean, you're having a horrible time today. Well, you know, you're going to continue that horrible time for the next three fucking days because you can't go to sleep. Right. Yeah. And why would you continue to do that? Because I've never been a heroin user. And I have dabbled. I mean, I've mm-hmm. used heroin because it simply will make you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it, in my case, personally, it wasn't too escape or get any numb time or run from anything it was just hey i need some fucking sleep right right you know so i mean but teach their own in addictions and drug choices i don't judge one drug addict over another a lot of drug addicts getting this funny little thing well you know you shoot up and i just smoke it so you're worse than me you know that's not the case either we're both fucking drug addicts right we're both making poor decisions in life for one reason or another whatever it is um it's all bad you know, why are you looking at yourself like you're any better or lesser than me in the sense that, hey, we both got a fucking problem. We should maybe help each other figure this out. And if, you know, if you're not going to help me and I'm not going to help you, at least we should try to help ourselves right. and figure it out. Right. But, you know, that's a lot of drug addicts never come to that. Justification know? comes in many forms, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, that goes to a lot of my humbleness. I mean, I've seen alcoholics just come down hard on drug addicts i've seen meth users just fucking you know talk shit about heroin users i've seen heroin users just talk shit about everybody i've I've seen everybody fucking hate everybody for the wrong reasons or the right reasons i mean it's just just a crapshoot man who cares just we're all struggling to figure something out we're all struggling to run from something or run to something or you know it's man i just I, i stopped really i stopped taking a side i guess you know it's i need to focus on me and I got that. That's awesome. You know, I, that's the one thing I learned in treatment. That, man, I got this huge thing that e- goes back to the ego. Mm-hmm. I fucking love myself arrogantly. I always have. Okay. Good. From day one. I've never had a, When I went into treatment, they said, you're going to learn how to love yourself. Man, I got that. Let's go. <laughs> Step one, done. <laughs> had that. Never went anywhere. Through everything. Yeah, I mean, through everything. I, I fucking love myself. And, mm-hmm. it's you know, I never had that issue. So, But realizing that most addicts, most people generally don't love themselves man i couldn't imagine right i couldn't imagine what it would be like to start there so yeah. the fact that i didn't have to do that is very humbling to me that you know wow man I, I get this this one step up man everything should be easier because of that and it is it really is because mm-hmm. no matter how far back i go i still love myself that's huge i know i mean yeah. just a little bit I, I there was a point where i wouldn't look at myself in the mirror like it was like you know seeing myself made me hate myself yeah, never. Just, uh, as you talk about, I've been on some drugs. That made me look in the mirror and wonder, not only who am I, but what. I mean, I woke up one morning and I could, it took me a good thirty minutes looking in the mirror to decide whether or not I was human. There you go. And then, what is human? Oh, okay. This is I don't even know what human is, but I think I'm one of these. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a, that was that was one of the last few days in the trap house when I looked in the mirror and I couldn't figure out what I was, not who, but what. But, and then after I got it down to human, you know, 
I don't really like this guy in the mirror. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, and then that led down the whole mental process. And within a day or two, I left the trap house. That's incredible, man. Yeah, from that one little, and that, I don't even, to put that experience in words to, to actually tell people, because I have through my recovery um, meetings, love going to meetings, opening up to strangers, really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, opening up to people you're going to see time and time again a lot harder. So using that early in my recovery, um, I told that story a few times. People just laugh. It's funny, but when you think about it, there's nothing funny about it mm-hmm. at all. Right. I mean, to look in the mirror and not even know what you are. Right. It's not you. So many drugs have gone through my system. My brain is so fucking dysfunctional right now. That I I don't even know what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. As far as my existence goes, as a human being on this planet, you know, doing whatever my name, you know, my life, my kids, my history, all that. None, none of that was there. It was all gone. You know, and it's that's that's horrific that right. you can take yourself to that point. I definitely didn't have any self worth at that point. I didn't have any love. I did. I, I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. or what I was. It's, it's better. It's, it's 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 even worse than who you are to, to not understand what you are. To comprehend who you are is, is it's a whole man. Got to go back ten more levels, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's. I can't put that in perspective in anything right. ever I've experienced in life. I hope to never, ever. I know that I will never, ever reach any point like that in my life again. I won't allow it. That's awesome. But I think that, I think that helps articulate or or, or show to a listener, um, you know, what it really is like that it's that, that you can lose yourself. And then you can lose yourself within your losing of yourself. That you're not only lost in this world of addiction, but you can lose, you know, e- even your sense of identity or, or belonging within this own world. And you and you talked about, and and I, I know in other podcasts, and I and I even mentioned earlier about about community. And even um, we had a different guy talk maybe more about the prison culture. That there's a bit of you know a community looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. And from what the thing I keep kind of hearing from you, maybe I'm wrong, is that there's even less community there's a lot of you're sort of on your own and even well more of that i'm a standalone um i come from a family that pulls on relationships that are built over time um more or less a good old boy club Mm -hmm. i was raised by the book good old boy club i've never asked for a favor i've faced things in life that i've been told to reach out to my family for assistance i will not do that I will face everything that I need to on my own. Something about the way my dad raised me, and I'm the only one in my family that lives like that. Um, I don't know. The best way to put it is I've been a standalone my entire life, and I will always be a standalone. If I can't handle it, it's going to break me, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end of me. I'm not going to call for help, ever. You know, that's the community and everything. I went to prison young. I stood on my own two feet. I didn't club up. I didn't fucking organize up. I didn't ask for any of my friends to fight my battles. I stood up and did me. Right. You know, a standalone is exactly what it sounds like. And that's, you know, I understand people's need. There's just always safety in numbers. Right. You know, that's the way things work. But not all of us need numbers to be safe. Do you think sometimes those numbers can lead to more problems than good? So They can. Group mentality, mob mentality, mm-hmm. you know society they're a little you know it takes a lot to be 
mentally strong enough to make decisions to go against a group. Sure. Yeah. And if there aren't people out there like me that decide to stand alone, that decide, hey, you know, this isn't really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not very, there's less of what I am in society than the norm. You know, the normal people click up, run with the pack, safety numbers, whatnot. Sure. But, but in that same regard, you're running those numbers, the safety in the pack. You're going to end up doing some things you don't agree with, yeah. Because the group says this is what we all agree with, even if you little section of us doesn't you do because you run with us right you know and that's i have a huge problem with authority i can't mean you want to put yourself against me put yourself in a position of authority above me and i'm coming i'm coming for that position because i don't like being told what to do there you go. unless i've decided to be okay with being told what to do for the time being mm-hmm. let me put it in real quick because I was in a position of authority over you the first time we met. Dun, dun, dun. I still have a massive amount of respect for you. <laughs> but I'm just curious, just yeah. a curiosity, um, because because in prior podcasts I explained my normie background and different things and having to learn the hard way. I mean, um, I've, I've experienced you detoxing. I've experienced mm-hmm. all kinds of different things, uh, understanding an addict's mind but yet wanting so badly for that light to turn on for that individual. And um, just, you know, speak speak to what we experienced together the first round of Knick House. Um, actually, Colby, you were instrumental in my recovery. I mean, you were one of the first people I reached out as a perfect stranger, believed that I could do it believe i mean you offered help in a place to stay to get off the street help in the sense that you know who i needed to contact for uh treatment got me in touch with set free um got all that i mean you're instrumental in all that happening and then i had a relapse and you're right you should have kicked me out you should follow the rules and done all that and i'm really glad you didn't because i mean I got an opportunity to further it, and I, I made a success of some of it, and then ultimately, you know, left on not the best terms, but not incredibly bad. I didn't, didn't do a lot of damage when I left, but I didn't do it right. Um, <sighs> I never viewed you in a position of authority in which I felt challenged, or I mean, you like I said, I can handle authority when I deem it necessary in my life. And, you know, there's some things like you get a new job and you're a laborer. Yeah, you gotta listen to a foreman. It doesn't mean that I don't have the skills to be the foreman for that job, but I have put myself in a position in life where I'm now a laborer, mm-hmm. and I need to shut up and listen. And when the time's right, if I'm given the opportunity because I have the skill set, then I'll rise up and be the foreman again. You know, either either way, there's there's. So I mean, you personally, Colby. I mean, you you have been instrumental in my recovery, and my rebuild, and my reboot, and whatever this is that I'm going through right now. And, and here I am again, back at Knick House, um, trying to, trying to, to, I guess, take a, a 2.0 version or a, a refinement of tools or back to college or whatever you want to look at that. I mean, right. I got to get these skills that I didn't, I got skills to cope a lot better with the issues that I thought I had to begin with, but I didn't get everything I needed first time around. And I'm stubborn about not doing things twice, so it's a big deal for me to come back and do this again. Right. I mean, for future residents, um, uh, in my ignorance, 
uh, I had a lot of a lot of very experienced people in the recovery community tell me, you know, you you have to let them go. Yeah, you have to let them smack bottom. And yeah. and I, um, in my past, have had a tendency to try to, you know, keep them somebody afl- afloat. Mm-hmm. And um, which makes you an enabler, right? Yeah, right. That's almost the worst thing you right. can do if you really want to help somebody. And I, I had to learn that lesson. It was a hard lesson. And it wasn't just with you. But, <coughs> but a guy like you, I mean, like, I kept your mail for a reason. Yeah. Because if guys stay in contact mm-hmm. every now and then, mm-hmm. every now and then they're just, hey, what's up? Then I know that in their hearts they... You know, what's funny is that uh, before I went through all this... Um, one of those pieces of mail was a stimulus recovery. So I got a bunch of money and you know what I didn't do? I didn't go buy drugs and I didn't go get high. That's something, I mean, a kudo for me, a check, but I mean, like I said, I mean, the drug issue is not what it once was for me. More says that it's the relationships. It's the, I don't know what it's going to take to get me to where I'm not going to make this vicious loop again, but the, the drugs aren't the issue they were the first time around. You know, you know what I mean? It's the, the skills that I learned in that regard are working. You know, it's t- to remain sober when everyone around you is getting high while you're homeless living in a fucking car by choice. Is, you know, I, I even looked at myself and scratched my head like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm yeah. glad I had that piece of mail because that's what got you in the door. Yeah, it did. And then you... You know, you yeah. walked in and you saw Chris. Yeah, yeah, and like, I like Chris. Hey, <laughs> hey, is there any pets available? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I did. Yeah. I asked him too. And yeah, I, I knew, I knew when uh, Chris told me that, I was like, okay, good, because because I've been, you know, Facebook stalking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you told me today. <laughs> and just watching the watching the up the and implode down. And yeah, because yeah. I man, I, I I wear my emotions. I am not afraid to put it all out there on Facebook. If you're my Facebook friend, you're gonna see it all. Because <laughs> I, through every emotion, through every anger, through every sadness, through every you know every high, every low, I put it all out there. I could care less what people think. Sure. You know, pass judgment if you want. But I mean, he he he's seen it. He's been Facebook friends since last year now, so he's seen a nice little ride. Yeah, like, I mean, I I, I, I guess mean, I didn't want to. A lot of ups and downs. And wrote that middle part. Yeah. But apparently mattered you know had some inter- you know some in- profound impact yeah. so staying along those same lines um especially with you know the impact that colby had um what do you think your biggest barriers to success have been and what do you think could be done to be more successful mm, my biggest barrier is me okay. and poor choices okay. poor poor choices I, I don't have a problem with going out and earning money um, I basically need to apply time to myself. I need to I need to take the treatment really serious. I need to take the time to to um, go through, you know, whatever psychologically I need to to. I mean, the full recovery process. It it takes time to rewire all the trauma yeah. that, that's happened. You know, everything that's happened because of my addictions. Um, I guess I, I you know I tried to run out of here too quick, and I, I didn't give it all time to reset or I don't, I don't know it's, it's focus has changed i mean that the first and foremost when i came in here i mean i just i was open to everything i'm a fucking drug addict mm-hmm. i got an issue with drugs and i did and as i went through the treatment process you know it it made me realize that maybe you know the problem really wasn't about drugs it's it's more it's deeper than that it's it's emotionally based it's it's relationship based it's 
feeling alone it's um distrust it's there's a lot more that goes into it and however however we're going to fix that it's, it's going to take time it's right. just it's not going to happen overnight well you mentioned earlier you felt empty inside yeah yeah well i don't feel empty anymore i mean i, I feel like i have a purpose I feel like i have a drive i have a lot of self-worth um i know that i deserve better than what i've been yeah, allowing myself to have, I guess. Because, um, I mean, I am my biggest obstacle. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to my choices for everything. You know, it's either I'm going to make the right choices here or I'm not. And at the end of the day, I'm the only one held accountable for that. Right. And I have been my own barrier for the last two years of my life. You know, I've also been my biggest proponent in the sense that I've gone to treatment and I've, I've gone and looked for these tools and I've put a lot of them to, to work. Um, but I need more, sure. you know, which is why I'm full circle back here again. That's it. And I despise doing shit twice. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like to drive in circles in life. I have a class A CDL with 1.6 million miles. I do not drive in circles. I pre-plan shit. I know that I have to make a left-hand turn five miles from here. And if I'm not in this fucking left-hand lane in the next 20 seconds, I'm not going to be able to. Mm-hmm. And if I pass that damn street, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, and put your ass in that lane every time. You know, so doing something twice bothers the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm taking it seriously. Okay. So I think one of the things I've heard a lot, and you said, and I, th- and I don't want to put words in your mouth, do you think being humble or like sort of humbling yourself is important to oh, overcoming sort of barriers in your life or, you know, to be successful? I don't know if it is for everybody. I mean, I was highly successful being an arrogant prick. That's fair. And I was only unsuccessful once I found out that I wasn't mm-hmm. correct. You know. So, I mean, I believe that when I become successful through all this again, that it'll be completely different, that I might have a, a newfound joy in it that I never could have so arrogantly thinking I was right. Like, okay. You know, but to, man, that that's really a personal... That, that, the answer to that should vary so much from person to person mm-hmm. because being humble as a person is a is a personal choice. Yeah. You know, a lot of people never get humbled. You know, some people get so humbled that they don't have any self-worth. Right. You know, so, I mean, it really... It, it, I'm glad I got humbled. I mean, I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. thankful that bad shit happened in my life to such a large degree on such a vast scale to where someone as egotistically arrogant as I got crippled and just had to look at things completely different. I'm so thankful that happened to me, honestly. I I couldn't think, I mean, through everything you could take bad about this addiction and everything it is, and I'm glad I got humbled. I think that even to be there to say that to, to be able to articulate that is, is, is incredible I think it, it shows you know viewers or listeners or anybody who's who's interested or curious about this sort of thing and you know hasn't hasn't lived there that you can you know say that you know how, how far you've come and you know to, to be where you're at and how you're almost thankful it's interesting I not almost I mean absolutely right. thankful I, I, that I, I was humbled and that's what I and I, it was horrific what did it See, right. <laughs> I mean, living in a trap house, having nothing, being nothing, just fucking, yeah, it was horrible. Right. I think back on it and think, man, I never, ever want anything like that to ever. I will not allow anything in my life to come to that point again. But I'm glad that it happened. 
thankful because the, the what I have now, I never would have dreamed was possible. Right. And I think you kind of answered my last question, but I wanted when when someone's listening to this, and I guess you kind of have to, you know, have that view in my head of that you know person driving down the highway who I can you know, we convince to listen to this and listen to this episode and be willing to even. I have an open mind at all and to hear about, you know, addiction and, and your whole life and, and those falls and even a year ago with the failure. Um, what, what do you say to someone or what do you even, and I guess you did a good job of saying you don't really give a shit or, you know, what, what other people think. Yeah. Um, but what do you even tell yourself or why, why do you think you're going to be successful this time? Um, it's not coming from a place of arrogance or ego this time around. It's, it's more self growth. Um, I've been a success my entire life. I mean, I've successfully raised four kids. I have, I was a journeyman roofer in my early 20s. I'm a fifth generation roofer from family. You know, along the way there, before I turned 30, I decided I wanted to go drive a semi. So I went and got a class A CDL and took off with that. Um, there's, there's nothing in life I've ever wanted to do that I haven't been able to. Right. You know, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm just, I've learned how to use my stubborn streak enough in life to be successful in anything I want to do. Sure. Because I just won't give up. Right. You know, I'm stubborn like that. So, I mean, I look at this no differently. Um, but the humbling thing that happened, that really, in regards to my life, I mean, it, without being humbled the way I was, I wouldn't have the optimism of where I'm going to end up through all this being exactly what I know it's going to be, which is, you know, me not being empty, me being happy, right. me right. being, you know, content with everything around me and content with my decisions and life choices and the people in my life. Because mm -hmm. up until now, man, like I said, I don't have anybody, no day ones, no family. They all turned. Right. <laughs> right. So fuck them. I'm going to do it all right without them. It doesn't seem like they were right to begin with or a part of what anything right was. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's just my life. You know. But, uh, yeah. Are you able to walk in their shoes from their perspective at all? I can, yeah. I, I have a great ability to um, look at people in situations and actually understand and agree with how they come to the horrific decisions that they've had to make. A lot of people don't have that ability, I've realized. Um, so, yeah, I understand where they're coming from, but I don't agree with it. Right. You know, that's what it comes down to. Just because I understand why you made a decision doesn't mean I appreciate or agree with the well, decision anymore. it doesn't feel anymore. good to be rejected anyway. No, it doesn't. But, but just to be able to walk, you know, through their, see it through there as walk in their shoes, to yeah. be able to see, like, they had to make this. Yeah this move yeah. whether you agree with it or not and there's a lot of people well my biggest problem with my addiction that. and my family and friends that turned their back on me when I got publicly ostracized is you know I never did anybody in my family or anybody close to me wrong I never borrowed or stealed or asked for money from I always paid for my addictions I never fucking stole from anybody I never everything I went through being shunned by everyone I know I mean you hear about drug addicts doing all these bad things to their family and their friends I never did any of that. I never did anybody wrong. I love That's that. That's not me. It I love would, that. Oh, go ahead. 
It was, it was never me. It'll never be. I mean, but I mean, and, and I'm not saying that I'm better than any other drug addict in that, in that regard. Cause I mean, we all live our lives, you know, the way we have to, but, um, uh, that was the hardest thing, not having people to turn to when I should have all based on the fact that overnight I'm a known IV drug user and that just makes me scum. So I get no more help from anybody that should be fucking helping me because I might, you know, use that help to use or something, but I, I never have, but I'm just because I might, you know, we can't help you. Right. Well, your story is unique in the way that, um, Mm. you started later after you were a good Mm. provider and a father and all these things. So there's a lot of people that never developed, uh, any of that moral, uh, foundation, um, the right and the wrong, the, uh, get up on time, show up to work, work hard while you're there type of thing, you know, give your Mm -hmm. boss your, the time that he deserves in order to get paid. You you learned that where a lot of people who start their addiction much younger, that's Mm -hmm. what's missing when they do get sober. Yeah. And that's a lot of what I have to deal with here at Knick house is literally starting from scratch to teach, um, no, six o'clock in the morning is when people get up to go to work. Yeah, and yeah, you gotta get up, you gotta cook, you gotta, you know, you gotta right. get coffee, you gotta watch the news, you gotta do whatever you All gotta do. All those little things. So you're ready at eight, not right. not just waking up at eight. You right. can't come in here half asleep at eight o'clock. I need you functioning at eight o'clock. Right, working. You know, that's that's me being a foreman for years. I used to tell guys that. I mean, look, I need you here. Eight, you gotta be ready to work. Right. Not, not stumbling out. out of your Boots car. On, yeah. yeah, I mean, gloves you, on. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah. I need you ready to work right, right. now. This this company time. Right. So, yeah, so, I, so you're unique in that way, yeah. Ben. I mean, I mean, that's so in a lot of ways, I'm really excited for um, when you get through this next season in your life mm-hmm. um, to be able to pour back into others. Yeah. You know, there's I so, do want to give back to, you know, my my whole desire for that. I mean, I, I want to I've thought about I mean, I'm thinking about a career change. I'm getting old. I can't riff forever. <laughs> I can't fucking do all that. And I. Uh, I have this sleep issue with driving truck over the road, so I don't really want to get back into that either. But, I mean, this whole recovery road has taught me there's a few positions I can get into, peer support and whatnot that are decent, you know. I, I think there's some avenues in which I'm going to look into getting into. Um, on the flip side of dealing with everything I need to deal with and having some, some years of sobriety under my belt, there's some ways through career path that I might be able to give back to this community. Will make your greatest shame your greatest triumph. That's what I tell people. Just yeah. because you're you, you flip that, and yeah. and you can talk about it fully, openly, openly yeah. about how this is my story, mm-hmm. and and that's the beautiful part of a person in recovery when they've come to that point yeah. that um, that one life that they had to live heals and changes so many that are on the cusp of really diving into that trap house. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're saved before they what get a hard there. Dive, man. Right. Some of us need to go though. Like I said, that, right. that was the humbling factor That's in my life. Nothing would have, nothing would have brought me to that point, but that, and God, when I, when I dove in there, did I not think that's what I was doing? I wasn't going there to get humbled right. at all, but that's what happened. And man, some horrifically bad things happened while I was there. Well, that, that and that's why I won't let anyone detox yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. that your name is attached to that rule in my head <laughs> because it's like that was, that was my Ben lesson. Yeah. Because did I care well, for more you? so Absolutely. than that was what Sean went through. 
that was way worse than me detoxing. You right. remember that whole episode? Well, I, I was, I was, I was casual actually, listeners out who don't know either I, one I, of these. I, I was actually on vacation. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you didn't see it. So, so oh I, I left. And what, what what happened, folks? Is there's a gentleman here who um, I never saw this coming from this guy, uh, a leader, uh, pillar ex- of pillar extremely of extremely intelligent, mm-hmm. and he had meth um, induced psychosis and had. A, an incident uh, that came out of nowhere um, during, you know, during not really detox, but um, hit a relapse. Yeah, and uh, of course it happens right when I leave for vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. as, as I'm trying to, uh, you know, separate myself and give my family some time. Of course, that's when it happens. I still Self-care. have a close, close relationship with him because of that. I mean, he's the very first addict, other only addict that I ever showed any kind of compassion towards because I, I knew what it was like to have meth psychosis. Well, to have and, you here. Yeah. While that was going on, as I'm answering phone calls every morning because all this is going on, was I knew you were here, and I knew there was someone, someone who at least knew it what was, was going hard on. to deal with. I mean, it was, it was hard to de- you know uh, that whole situation. I mean, I'm glad I went through it. I'm glad that I was able to be there for him, in the sense that I'd just gone through my relapse two weeks prior, and then to watch him do it and to be the in in um, carry not being so close finger on the pulse not understanding what was really going on um me not wanting to tell her much you being on vacation you know and trying to be there for another addict unique situation i mean i definitely i know that i show in a lot of instances in life a lot more maturity than people can give me credit for unless she's i mean i i perform well under pressure is what it comes down to but you know lasting relationship with him I, i will forever rooting for him wherever he's at and he's down in utah uh, yeah utah right so now. we don't no, have to I mean, share too much I, 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 i'm in i'm in contact with him as well yeah. and um th- there's another Good. rule attached to his name mm-hmm. um, <laughs> b- because because i realized what kinnick house isn't yeah and it is not treatment no it's not at all no it's for people who are coming out of treatment yeah. so it is um tough lessons for mm-hmm. everyone lessons learned but you know, whatever kill you does it only makes you stronger, right? Yeah, so they say. Yeah, we got it. I don't know if I agree with that one, but yeah. so they say. <laughs> well, I don't know if it makes you stronger. Some of that shit changes. Everyone you forever. at this table right now is stronger because of the thing that didn't yeah. kill them. Yeah, I would agree, hundred percent. It's fair, man. Uh, definitely got in some stuff today, huh? Like I think we really. Got in some issues. I, like I said, this whole thing has been about reducing stigma, um, helping people realize that any of these different, you know, social construct issues that you know plague people, you know, anything drug addiction, you know, even like a, you know, any form of addiction, any form of you know, houselessness, you know, food insecurity, any of that. That there's all these elements or avenues involved. Um, and I just think you guys, like, I think even this last little bit, you two talking just about, you know, and you, Ben, talking about being there and, you know, being there for the guy who's going through a meth-induced psychosis. And I know the first thing I, 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 I jump to is the average, you know, human who's walking on. Colby loves that, you know, normie. Um, you know, how how would an average person deal with someone going through that? And you... You can't. Right. I mean, it takes one to know one. Right. When it comes to everything in life, it takes one to know one. If you haven't been through it and you can't have some kind of... If you can't relate 
to the person and the situation they're going through, whatever it is in life, then you can't actually be there for them. You can struggle and try, but you're going to come up short everywhere. But if you've been there, you've gone through it, you know there's certain things you can do throughout that process to actually help somebody that might be going through that and yeah. that that's where it comes to you know that's that's human kindness it's love it's compassion that's uh that's it's that's what i believe is mankind's only hope it's it's, it's you're just adding more to it. i mean the whole point of, of why this podcast exists because you said it because you're not some scary monster sitting on the street corner who's no. going to jump out with a knife and steal my 20 dollars there was because... a day <laughs> But you're also not making excuses for your own decisions. No, yeah. I, no. I think that's one of the biggest things yeah. that people will do. They'll, yeah. they'll blame it on mm. everything. Yeah, and you're not going to heal. You're not going to make any growth. You're not going to actually address any real issues until you, you know, I've told people this for years because I'm, I'm a pillar on honesty and I hate being freaking lied to and I'm so good at catching people in lies. Um, most people never learn how to be honest with themselves. And if you can't tell yourself the truth, which most of us never figure out, you don't got a shot in hell at telling me the truth or That's anyone so else. True. Period. <sighs> so I mean, so until important. until you get real enough with yourself to be honest, and it's really hard to be honest with yourself about shit, you're not going to make any self growth because you're just still feeding yourself a line of bullshit. Being objective and not subjective. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you got you got to you got to get real with you. And if you don't get there, and this homeless thing, man, it can happen to any of us. Yeah. One day you can have it all, the next day you could have nothing. Yep. You know, and that's where the humbleness in my regard comes in. I mean, I've had it all, I've had nothing, I've had it all, I've had nothing. I've gone through that cycle a dozen fucking times now. You know, these last few have been a lot, uh, a lot more have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much have it all. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. That's the bronchitis from living in your car. Yeah, bronchitis for sure. And that, and that's really yeah. realistically, I, I got diagnosed with bronchitis and went to the doctor recently, and, and I'm so glad I went in and got some some meds and whatnot because I feel a lot better than I did three days ago. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, getting real with yourself, being honest—that's the beginning. And I've been honest with myself for a long time, so that has—I mean, the beginning for me for that is over a decade ago when I divorced my ex-wife in 2010 and took the kids and became a single dad. I staunchly became honest with myself and everyone around me, and yeah, you know, I got a lot less friends because of it. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. People tend not to like to hear the truth. Yeah. They need to though. They need to. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm that guy. I will stand up and give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben. I'm. <coughs> you. You came out of quarantine this morning, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it just worked out that you know you're the only guy sitting here in the house, and we had the opportunity to just uh, get alone with you and interview. And I'm just so glad, that, like Adam started this off with, it, that we get to have this perspective with someone who hasn't had a lot of time to think about it, but is just like dumping the, mm-hmm. the raw version, like the scratch tracks of... Man, we can come back to this in a few weeks, and I don't know that you're going to see a lot of differences because of my humbleness, you know. It's kind of where I sit with it the mm-hmm. entire time until... I mean, I can probably come back here and do a repeat in this two years from now. Hopefully, I'm the success story I believe I'm going to be, but the same humble attitude and the same, you know talking about things the way they are you know that's it's really become a part of who i am 
and it's I've always been not humble but willing to talk about me and and things you know more so than most and I articulate my words fairly well um, so I don't know I wouldn't mind doing a repeat on this later down the road to see if um, it helps anybody in that regard too because testimony helps man hearing somebody's struggle hearing somebody's story hearing somebody you know the one in a million was like man that guy did he went through what I went through holy shit he made it yeah Man, I, I need to listen to this guy to figure out what he did. And, and that's what a lot of drug addicts do. I mean, a lot of testimonies, a lot of going to meetings, a lot of, you know, you hear that one person, you're like, holy shit, they know. You know, I'm not alone. Right. Somebody else went through that. And they made it. <laughs> and I need to know how to do that. And that, that helps a lot of addicts get out of where they're at and into recovery and, and starting to become real with themselves and everything it takes to get better. Well, I, I do think in a matter of two weeks that you're going to be uh, have more energy. Yeah. Because right now I can you know see your cheekbones in a way that I, I, I didn't see them before, and that's a part of malnutrition. Yeah. And now you have a warm bed, yeah. and you can you, it's help you've a seen lot. the food we have in the freezer. Yeah, it's nice. And and we had eggs and bacon for breakfast. We had eggs and bacon uh, for together. Eggs, yes, this morning. we did. Right. I, mean, I love breakfast. God bless Jason. Yeah, man, that's huge, amazing. Huge servant heart, that guy. Love it. But th- that's that's the beautiful thing about the men's house here is that you walk in the door and, you know. Uh, I think you have a good core group of guys this time around. I, I, I kind of like my, my initial feel of the house is uh, a lot better than it was before. Well, that's. I like, well, I like it. Once the Knick House episode happens, I think that will be one of the main things that I've learned is that you cannot let all of God's creatures just come through your door because not all of God's creatures are ready, uh, ready for change, yeah. period. And, and I cannot change them. Nope. And I thought that I could uh, help them into sobriety and what it was is just enabling you have been an amazing help in my sobriety road, in my walk, in my recovery, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Okay. And you will remain that throughout the. I mean, I've I've done nothing but talk in high regard of you every chance I've had an ability to, and and I've got to share my recovery story a lot, and I look forward to sharing it more as as I get further along down the road for sure. But um, yeah, you you're a huge first time I reached out to you, I mean, I was living in a tent and I finally burned through that $1,700. I'd gotten myself semi quasi sober, um, got myself out of trap house, got myself out of Anchorage and I did a lot for myself, but I didn't know how to go further. And you, you were instrumental in helping me make the next step. So see, and it's so crazy. Like that's huge. I probably wouldn't cause I had nobody. Well, right. But this is what's crazy is because of my own boundaries having to come up, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't let the Ben that I first met in mm-hmm. right now yeah. be, because I would be, nope, you need to go to yeah. treatment. But I didn't know how to get there. Right. And I didn't really know how to send you there. Yeah. So I had to learn a lot too as mm-hmm. a, as a, as a novice, essentially mm-hmm. just, just I'm good at loving people. Mm-hmm. No, you are. And you have a huge heart. And I just, and that gets, it, it drains me yeah. majority of the time. But yet, you know, God put that in my, he made me that way. Yeah. It, it's just how I came out of the womb, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, good, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a lot more good than bad. <laughs> but just, just, you know, you, you were, I can see when there's uh, genuine 
a genuine person. I can see it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see that now they want this. They're lost. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but I, I just knew, and I, and I was hoping and waiting that you were going to, you know, make another round. Yeah. We get, you get two turns at Connect House. So you're on your last run. And that's why we had the, Perfect. Whole, Perfect. the high accountability talk, Perfect. the whole drive yeah. home. I like it. And all that. I but like you it. know, I love you, man. Yeah, I do. I and appreciate I, it. I love you too. And years down the road, we're going to stand somewhere and we're going to be able to talk to a lot of people and change a lot of lives. I hope, I hope my testimony can change anyone's life that it's intended to. It will. You know, I know it's going to reach out and touch somebody. Yeah, just this podcast and this story is who knows people all over the world that are going to hear this. I mean, this mm-hmm. is small now, Downhill Discussions. is We're on episode five. Four. Four. Mm. Don't get ahead of yourself. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's just... Uh, I like it. This is stuff that people need to hear. Yeah. And this is no. why the, the crap rolls downhill. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, try to get yourself a job at the top of the hill. Yeah. Well, but, but it's, but it's really just about <laughs> telling the actual stories and not, not giving the, the, the thing that, uh, that the papers get, you know, percentages yeah. and blah, blah, yeah. blah. We're, we're telling the actual in the moment stories. And, uh, that's the, that's the purpose of this. It's good. It's even yeah. with your testimony that, and like you said, you know, people's testimony and testimony is pretty popular. Um, and I know some places and I've heard things like, hey, when there's when, when there's a chance I can schedule to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people just like to tell their story so yeah. you know that they got through it. Mm-hmm. I think with someone like you, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been talking, um, you got, you, you're able to sort of articulate the feelings around it the mm-hmm. what what you're able to identify where the lack of of skills or you know knowledge mm-hmm. is and i think that's a big part where people can relate not only to you know oh yeah yeah i did meth too and i think there's a lot of people who did that i think it's yeah. the ability to understand this is where my barriers are this is mm-hmm. where my difficulties are and being able to identify them and know that they exist and, and being able to say like i'm I'm going through recovery and I'm struggling because these things mm. are difficult to overcome. It's not yeah. as simple as just stop one day. No, it's not. I mean, the the drug use, I mean, it, as much as I say, I mean, I did use mm-hmm. again. So, I mean, I did have these relapses, but I didn't get full blown into it where I, you know, it's right. completely different kind of use. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more reminiscent of an active dealer using, which, uh, you know, I like I said, adamant stance against not actively dealing at all ever again. And I will not back off on that. So um, even that being said, the little bit of use that I have had over the last year, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with any of it. It was all, you know. So, you know, going forward, no use. You know, going forward, addressing the issues with the relationships, with the, the emotional shit, the, you know, my issues personally internally that I got to deal with that's the important thing you know and I'm going to get there well I think again this is you know highlights um how 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 broad these topics are I mean the 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 original plan when Colby and I were trying to quit make a quick preparation was you know ah you know 20 minutes half hour you know just talking about emotion and how and how fast that these topics are that they're so they're so big they're so vast that you know, there isn't enough time to really get into everything. But I just wanted to, you know, again, thank you for, for coming on. Like you said, you know, giving your testimony, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, what you're going through for someone, you know, day, day, day one. I mean, this mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I mean, day one. You know. 
Well, not day one, because right, I, mean, right. I started this a year ago. I just I mean, mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, day day one, the same. Well, I was right. I was into transitional housing a year ago. Right, 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 right. right. Day, day one, day one, two, reset, two point oh. <laughs> yeah, no. However you want to look at that, because I mean, I it, it would have been interesting to have one of these then, mm-hmm. and then to come back and revisit this now, because I mean, I've made a lot of growth. I mean, yeah. a lot. And I, only I know how much, but and everything I've been through since then with those tools with with the new coping skills with, with everything that treatment gave me i mean it's a testament to why i'm back again because i know that i didn't get enough right you now i know that I, I left some things uncompleted and you know there's but god am i thankful that i had that going into this last little bender in life to get myself back here because at least i knew how and i knew where to start so right. i didn't have any of that the first go around and that's, I mean, that's awesome that you, I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's uplifting for me to know that those, that you're able to identify those skills. And then at the same time, I get all broken thinking about all the people who don't know or have those skills in their toolbox yet. Yeah. They are still sort of stuck on that hamster wheel. That's harsh, man. And that, that is the harsh reality of addiction, you know, and like I, we, we briefly touched on it. Most addicts are running from something, so it's that numb, you know, they're using a drug to get an escape, and just, even if it's like five seconds, you know. Right. Give me a break from this horrific thing that I can't handle. You know, those are the people that are the hardest to reach. Those are the people you gotta worry about overdosing. Those are the people that are really lost. Yep. You know, not to say my, I don't downplay my addictions or my drug use any to any degree lesser than theirs, but we definitely use for different reasons. Yep. That's great. I, I really like how you're able to say that because I, I think, you know, you hear all the time, you know, people are a snowflake. That You know, yeah. everybody's a little different. Yeah, and I think that's... For sure. yep. I mean, I'm a tweaker. I'm not, <laughs> that's, I mean, if you want to address my little niche in drug society, I like, I like to go fast. Mm-hmm. I always have. But that's just a thing you like, not a label. You're not, like I learned, you're not homeless. You're experiencing houselessness right now. You're not a drug addict. I don't agree with political correctness, though. I mean, sometimes life's a cold, hard bitch, and we should all taste it. Oh, I hear you. But I just mean you're not you. Like, I'm not. No, it doesn't define who I am. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I'm going through. It's something I'm dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Couldn't agree with you more. I love it. Well, Ben, I want to, I mean, I know we're running out of time. Colby's giving me that running out of time look. Um, ben, I want to thank you again, truly, from the bottom of my heart. Um, I, I know this is difficult to talk about. I, I I know there were some moments during this that, you know, were intense for you. There's a point yeah, where our, sure. our listeners will notice our, our mics were shaking a little bit. Cause, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, no, there's And not in a bad way, just to help them understand how. Mm-hmm. visceral and real this stuff is for people and your on your willingness to be open and honest about it mm-hmm. so i want to thank you again so so very much yeah no um, problem listeners I, I i hope you appreciate it I, I hope you appreciate ben's story testimony understanding of you know what what goes into some just existence day to day and the struggle somebody has to go through um like we always say, please um, email us uh, any questions, comments, anything you'd like. We'd love to read them on the air in the future. Uh, downhilldiscussions at gmail.com. Um, and we look forward to future listeners in future. We, we look forward to having listeners in future episodes. What platforms are we on so far, Adam? Oh, sure. So far, we are um, <laughs> pretty exclusively on, on Spotify, and we're hoping to be on, what, on most of the major platforms in, in the next few days or so. 
next week. So look out for us. But for right now, Spotify downhill discussions. So nice. thank you so much, everybody. Look into that, I'm gonna tune in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Adam. That's thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.